Good morning, everybody. This is Heidi St. John. Today is Monday, October 29th. Today is the first day of a week vacation that I am taking with my family and our grandkids and some extended family. So we appreciate your prayers as we take a little bit of downtime. I have pre-recorded this in the hope that you guys will be encouraged. So every day this week, even though I won't be in the studio live, we will have pre-recorded these for you. And today, as it's Mailbox Monday, I'm going to be tackling three questions from listeners. So stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. All right. So, so much happening in the culture right now. I love getting your letters. This is one of my favorite days of the week here at the podcast. It gives me an opportunity to really speak into your lives, hopefully, and address what's going on with you in a very practical way. And we are all, as mothers and fathers in this generation, I think dealing with things that we never thought we would deal with before. And that certainly is the case for all three of the letters I'm going to be addressing today. One of them was sent back in July. So we're going through and making sure that we get to all of the old ones because we have so many questions coming in. We're going to try to lump them together. We're going to try something new. So this one came in from Crystal quite some time ago. So Crystal, thanks for bearing with me, woman. I know it's been a while. And I'm going to go ahead and take a stab at your, uh, at your question today. So here's what Crystal wrote. Can we talk about teaching sex ed for a bit? Sure. (laughs) My family has always taken an open approach to talking about our bodies and how or why things happen. Recently, my almost 10-year-old son has been getting more, quote, interested in girls than I am comfortable with, and I don't know how to handle it. Okay, so first of all, Crystal, welcome, <laughs> right? This is just kind of how it goes. Our kids, you, Your kids grow up, and they start being interested in the opposite sex, and they start wanting to talk about things that kind of make you feel uncomfortable, and especially the boys. They move from, like, making all the farting noises at the dinner table to actually being interested in girls, and I think if we're not comfortable talking about it, We're going to struggle. So listen to what uh, Crystal continues to say. Currently, his infatuation is for my good friend's seven-year-old daughter. I get worried about things going too far in childhood innocence. How do we protect our children but keep them informed and teach them before their peers, quote, teach them? We are using the talk, seven lessons to introduce your child to biblical sexuality curricula in our homeschool. And I was hoping that this would help guide him in recognizing why he is having these feelings. For now, he is just set on marrying this girl when he's old enough. I actually think that's kind of sweet. (laughs) I guess I should clarify, I'm not so worried about my son being taught about sex as much as I am worried about him being the, quote, teacher to his peers. I am worried that he will be the inappropriate one. I don't know how to handle boy hormones. I don't want to be terrified of sex. We are teaching our children that sex is wonderful and and amazing within marriage. But what do I do about those male hormone impulses? How do we stay vigilant as not to be caught in an inappropriate situation? As for now, we can just insist the children are all out of play, out of the sight of the adults. But in the long run, that isn't enough to protecting the interest of both the boys and the girls involved. How do we protect our children but keep them informed and teach them before their peers teach them. All right, so a couple of things, Crystal. Uh, First of all, I think you're wise to be the person who's introducing sex to your kids. So often parents shirk away from this topic and then what happens is our kids get, quote, educated on sex from their peers, which is really anything but educating. I remember very, very well uh, the first person that spoke to me about sex and it wasn't my mom. (laughs) And can I just say, the information I received was faulty. (laughs) I look back at that now and I just think, 
And it's amazing that I ever wanted to get married after hearing what was a complete untruth about sex from somebody else. So you're doing the right thing by wanting to talk to your kids about sex. The next thing I think when we when we've got kids that are together, you know, Jay and I have seven children. Three of our children now are, are adult children, and we've still got, you know, five kids at home. One of them getting ready to launch. We've got a senior in high school this year. And we've sort of run the gamma in our house. And I think the main thing for parents is to be aware and informed. That means you're aware of what your child is doing, which it sounds like you are, and you're informed. And sometimes we let their behavior inform us. Sometimes we let other people inform us. For everyone who's listening to this today, can I just encourage you, don't be afraid to allow someone to speak into your life, even if it means that they are criticizing something that your child is doing. Let me explain. Years ago, one of our kids, who shall remain unnamed, was found in an inappropriate situation. Not wildly inappropriate, but just one that made me cringe. If you guys have had cringing situations with your kids, if you haven't, uh, you will. <laughs> just hang in there. So uh, a cringeworthy situation. And my friend took me to the, the side of the room and she said, Heidi, I really need to talk to you about your child. And as she began to tell me what my child was doing, I could feel my face get hot. You know, I was the director of the homeschool co-op. My kids were supposed to be perfect. And far from perfect, I had a child who was being really inappropriate and uh, encouraging other kids to be inappropriate also. I had a choice to make in that situation. And I could have either gotten angry and said, oh, my kid would never do that. Or I could have said, thank you so much. I, I bet this was hard for you to come and talk to me about this. And I really appreciate your willingness to do it. Well, because I had been taught by another wise mother to, to choose the latter, I went ahead and thanked this mom for talking to me, even though I told her I was sure my son wouldn't do that. <laughs> I said, thank you for talking to me about this. I'm going to go talk to my child. And so I did. And when I, when the confrontation was happening, the very first thing I did was say, another mom has told me that this is happening. Listen, moms, we need to have, and dads, we need to have a, a sisterhood, moms of spies, or a brotherhood of spies. We should be spying on each other's kids, right? Because we can't be everywhere, but our friends can almost always be everywhere, right? And so you want to be listening to what's happening around you and always engaged. I want my kids to know that I'm interested. I'm interested in their behavior. I'm interested. I tell them, listen, I'm going to give you freedom until I realize you can't handle it. And then that freedom will be scaled back. And that's kind of how you handle boy hormones. You teach your kids what is right and what is wrong. And you give them enough freedom uh, to where they are able to experience the boundaries that you've set in, in, in place for them. And when they fail to, to appreciate that boundary or they exceed that boundary, that's when you begin to say, all right, so now we're going to now we're going to implement a uh, a consequence, right? So I think I want you want to be careful because I think Crystal, I think you're right. I think you don't want your we don't want our kids to be terrified of sex. Sex is amazing. I'm always telling my my bigger kids that part of their dads and my job in our marriage is to gross them out, you know, to have him chase me around the living room or kiss me in the kitchen. I want my kids to have a very healthy and a good view of sex the way God designed it, which is to be inside of marriage. And so uh, what we teach our kids about sex happens in not just what we say to them, but also in how we respond to them when they're in situations that either they, they said something inappropriate or they watched something inappropriate. Those are the, the kinds of situations that I think that's when you say, you know what, we're going to scale back your freedom because you aren't able to handle it. 
So I think rather than live in fear of what your child might do, you stay engaged and informed with them along the way. And then you just relish in the fact that you have this young boy. So your son is what, almost 10 years old. You're still in a really, really great season to just speak into his life, speak into his life, talk to him about the things he wants to talk about. Um, and if if you see him being infatuated with another little girl, uh, I think for goodness sake, most of us can remember those feelings ourselves. So don't freak out. I think you're doing the right thing to introduce him to the Bible's view of human sexuality. After all, after all, God designed us, right? So he gets to choose. And then after that, live in freedom. We don't want our kids to feel like we're going to jump down their throat every time we're worried about something. So you got to keep your eyes wide open, but you also want to walk in such a way that your children know that you're going to hold them accountable for their actions. So that was a great question, uh, Crystal, and I hope that helped you today. The next question comes from Sweet Kelly. Kelly, 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 this is for you. This was sent back in June. So Kelly says, Heidi, I recently heard you speak at a homeschool convention in Mobile, Alabama. My family was challenged and encouraged by all your talks, but one thing you said has reverberated in my mind since then. Your comment about how the enemy is after our children. It's an all-out assault, starting in but not limited to classrooms and public schools and apparently retail outlets and libraries and churches across the nation. That was actually me. I said that. (laughs) Kelly didn't. Kelly's like, wait, I didn't write that. (laughs) At the convention... You mentioned that some people don't believe this could happen in the Deep South, at which point I believe you indicated that they should get ready because the same policies that were being handed out in the Pacific Northwest in California would soon be on our doorstep. And in some cases, they already were, although many people are not yet aware. So I wanted to tell you what happened to us yesterday when we received my daughter's college book list for her freshman year here in the, quote, Deep South. Actually, at the oldest college in the state of Alabama, and I should also mention it's a Jesuit parochial school. Her freshman book list for literature includes a book called The Brief Wondrous Life of Oscar Wow, a title I do not encourage you to research with small children in the room. The book is completely vulgar. It's a novel and is supposedly written to shed light on a minority, the Dominican-Hispanic teen, in her life. In addition to being littered with extreme profanities, the book spends much of its time providing readers with detailed descriptions of sexual acts most adults find so graphic they reviewed the book as pornographic and disturbing. It is also profoundly violent and prompted several Latino Amazon readers to complain that the author has done nothing but perpetuate a violent stereotype for minority families, something they find untrue and offensive. I ask you, why would college freshman students in an intro to literature class be asked to read such a disturbing work of modern fiction? The book list for every other section of the freshman literature class is a list of classics you might expect, Shakespeare, Beowulf, etc. This one teacher who happens to be teaching an honors literature class has selected this work and I suppose is hoping it will fly under the radar as the children struggle to assimilate and adapt to college life in their freshman fall semester. My daughter and I were both appalled. And she goes on to talk about the institution and how she's concerned about her daughter. But I want to kind of get to the bottom of this because honestly, Kelly, I think you're asking something of a, of a rhetorical question because really you answer your own, your own question a little bit farther down in your email. Um, where you say, I wonder what the statistics would be like if we took a close look at the correlation between this kind of reading material and teen violence and teen pregnancy statistics. At any rate, it makes me wonder what would happen 
If instead we had our teenagers reading the letters of John Adams or underlying themes of honor and dignity instead of peppered with F-bombs and racial slurs. I'm not really sure what to do at this point, except make sure we check every book list prior to selecting it. If you have other ideas for helping older teens navigate the transition to adulthood with their godly values intact, I would appreciate it. I always told her we were showing her how to choose between right and wrong when she was younger so that she would be able to make godly choices as an adult. I guess I skipped the memo that she would be forced to read trash at a Jesuit college while studying to become an elementary school teacher so that she could serve Jesus and educate them. Anyway, Heidi, you were right. It is here, even in the Deep South. It is everywhere, and it is about the children, the next generation, and all the ones to come. I will be praying Psalm 91 over my daughter and her mind and her eyes as she heads to college this fall. I'll also be reminding us both daily. The greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. So Kelly, you've answered your question. First of all, you've noticed it is here. It is in the deep south. It's everywhere. And it is about our children. Many of you have heard me say that I was in the south just this last year and I was talking about the struggles we're having. If you guys haven't been seeing what's happening in Portland, Oregon, just look it up. Uh, A woman said, you know, you are living at the gates of hell when she heard that I lived in Portland. And I said, you know, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, but you are also living at the gates of hell. This battle that we're that we are in that we are engaged in right now is a spiritual battle, and it is everywhere. It's in the South. It's in the Pacific Northwest. It's in the Northeast. It's everywhere. You can't run and get away from it. Just like the psalmist David said, where can I run to hide from your, from your presence? You can't run from it. God's everywhere. And so is the evil that is around us in the culture. Because this world is ruled by the prince of the power of the air. But you have a responsibility, parents, to do exactly what Kelly's been doing with her daughter. And Kelly, I just want to encourage you. It sounds to me like you have raised a godly young lady who is now headed off to college. And what's happening is she's coming face to face with the world that she lives in. And you know what your primary responsibility now is? Pray for her. Pray for her. Engage with her. Talk to her about what's going on. We don't want our children to feel like we don't trust them. What we want to do is is uh, prepare our kids and just say, you're going to, people are going to shove trash in your face. They're going to make you read things that are bad for you and are, you know, hard, hard on your spirit. And actually you, this is a great time to help your students find, help your student find her voice. She can go to that teacher and say, I'm actually, I don't want to read that. I'm not going to do it. And if she has to take a demerit for not reading that, then that's okay. Then that's okay. Some of you are like, what? I can't believe it. Listen, these are the, these are the hearts of your kids. And at some point, um, you, no one will ever be able to convince me that what Kelly just described as honors reading is in any kind of honor category at all. And parents and students can stand up and make a difference. So Kelly, I just want to encourage you. I think you answered your own question by saying that it is everywhere and it is about our children, the next generation and the ones to come. And then do exactly what you said. Continue to pray Psalm 91 over your daughter. And can I just encourage you, pray that Psalm over this generation of children that desperately needs to hear the truth of God's word. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit uh, more than we've ever needed it. So if you guys are wondering what Psalm 91 is, I'm going to read to you just a little bit of it because that's another thing about this email that I found particularly encouraging was that Kelly actually listed something. I don't even think she necessarily meant to do this, but something that's encouraging. I always tell parents, if you're going to complain about something, 
um, always have a solution in mind. So it's never encouraging to go somebody and just you know whine and, and dribble on about problems. But instead, we should say, identify the problem and then say, here's what we're going to do for it. This is Psalm 91. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand people may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. Verse 9, if you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. This is the message that we want our children to have ringing in their heads and in their hearts when they leave our home. That God will never leave them or forsake them because he loves them, says the Lord. I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. Parents, we can't shelter our children from the world as they as they grow into adulthood, but what we can do is continue to speak truth over them, continue to speak about the blessing and truth of walking in right relationship with the Lord. I love this out of verse 9. If you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. That is a message that's worth sharing. Share that message with your kids. That's it for today. If you guys are enjoying this podcast, please, it would bless us tremendously if you would leave a review for it over at iTunes. Also, if you have not yet picked up your copy of Becoming Momstrong or Prayers for the Battlefield or the Becoming Momstrong Bible Study, I just want to encourage you to do that. One other thing you will you will notice that we do not have sponsors here at the podcast. That is because we have opted not to do that. Instead, we're going to direct you back to practical ways you can support this ministry. One of them is just to pick up any of the books I have written. I've written several books on homeschooling. You can find those books at HeidiStJohn.com. Just click on the store. We also have a brand new line of scripture jewelry out, a couple different styles of arrows and a quiver with an arrow in it to remind you that the Lord has given you your children like arrows in the hands of of a warrior. So thanks for listening, everybody. We really appreciate it. And I will see you back here on Wednesday. For more encouragement, visit me online at thebusymom.com.